Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Power. (laughs) You've probably heard of it. It's something we all want. You see, when we have power, it helps us overcome our internal sense of insecurity. And when we feel insecure, we feel powerless. And powerlessness, well, that can morph quickly into anxiety, which can soon wield power over us. And when this is the case in our lives, well, we often have a hard time breathing sometimes, or moving, making good decisions, or experiencing any kind of sense of peace. And yet the more we try to protect ourselves due to our insecurity, the more we become isolated in our homes or in our offices, fearful of anything or anyone who might seek to gain power over us. We also seek power because we believe it might help us overcome our internal sense of insignificance. Often when we feel insignificant, we'll try to seek ways that will prove to others and even to ourselves that we're more superior than we actually are. And this sense of power might feel good temporarily, but it never lasts. As soon as our false towers of significance tumble, we crumble. Friends, we seek power for many different reasons, and chief among them is due to this little word called sin. After all, the first sin we see in the Bible is the sin of pride. We see Adam and Eve trying to take God's place of authority for their own. And so by trying to win, we see that they lost. And that's why we've been struggling with insecurity and insignificance ever since. And when we struggle internally with these things, they quickly reveal themselves in our external world through the power of our words. It's why the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. So we speak life words or we speak death words. We've spoken about death words before, but let's remind us that these words... They either flow from an unredeemed tongue or a tongue which allows sin to have its way in a moment or for a season. And when these words are spoken, they reap destruction in the lives of others. But Jesus also tells us that in speaking those words, we also destroy ourselves. And if we're honest, we're all tempted to speak these words of death. And yet death words need not define us. I say this because the power of Jesus Christ is greater than the power of our tongues. Apostle Paul said it this way, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So Paul is telling us that those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, by his work for us on the cross, and therefore we have received the grace of God in our lives, are daily, consistently being taught by God's Spirit how to say no. So that means when these death words well up within us, by God's Spirit, we can say no to them. Words like gossip and slander, cursing, discouragement, and division. We can say no to these kinds of things in order to say yes to other things. The kind of grace that leads us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So Paul is saying that when we are truly following Christ, we will be eager to reflect Christ in our actions and in our words. Well, if we're honest, I think we all have a pretty good handle on what death words look like and sound like. They've been tweeted and touted in terrible ways over the past several years, and we have seen them, we've heard them, we've experienced them. But how about words of life? Words of life. They don't get as much attention as they should. And the Bible tells us that when it comes to words of life, the journey that leads us there actually begins this way, with guarded words. Guarded words, filtered thoughts, which ensure devotion, not division. I think we all know what division looks like and what it feels like. I mean, when there's division, I mean, combustion, right? All kinds of problems. Devotion, very different. Devotion ensures love and loyalty. And this is really important, friends, because we all have things we want to say, and yet not all of them are good to say. And that's why scripture calls us to filter our thoughts before they ever become words. Proverbs 13 says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. So scripture is telling us that filtered thoughts not only help others to experience life, but filtered thoughts, they help us to experience life as well because they ensure love and loyalty. And in so doing, they preserve our lives. But let's be honest. Have you ever experienced a moment when you wanted to say something and knew you shouldn't say it, but then you said it anyway, and what was the outcome? Oh, it felt really good for about a half a second. And then what, it, what comes about? Ruin. That's what the Bible says, ruin. What does ruin look like? Well, it shows up in different shapes and sizes. But often you soon start worrying that the one who heard you say those words about that other person might actually tell them. Or you start worrying that the one who heard you might tell someone else, who tells someone else, who tells someone else, who then tells the person that you were speaking against. And so you start worrying about that. It could do you in, and so you place a phone call, or you go to that person, and you try to get them to promise that they won't repeat what you said. And then they say, oh yeah, I won't tell anyone. And then you walk away worried that they will, because you know that's what people do, they talk. That's why the Bible tells us even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongues. So the Bible is saying that even a fool can help ensure love and loyalty by not saying anything at all. And friends, if a fool can do that, then we who have redeemed, we who are sons and daughters of the most high God can filter our words as well. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So do you want to speak words of life? Then start by filtering your thoughts so they never become words. I don't know about you, but I love how God works. Uh, in my life over the past couple of weeks, I mean, there's been things that have just been incredibly stressful and all these different things coming to my life all at once. And, and I kind of want to say, God, this is not helping me. 
But in reality, it actually was to help teach what I'm talking about because over the past two weeks, I've had all kinds of filtered thoughts. Not all of them showed up as words, but oh, I'll tell you what, all the filtering going on up here and in here, it's been humbling. Friends, we're gonna be less tempted to speak ill of others when we're keenly aware of our own shortcomings and our challenges, and we're really focused on our own growth. So it starts with these guarded words. That's where the journey starts, and then it takes us to a word of life called kind words. Kind words, compassionate words, which ensures restoration, not woundedness. The Apostle Paul put it this way, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So think about it this way, kind words bring compassion daily and forgiveness whenever needed. Kind words bring compassion daily and forgiveness whenever needed. Because they restore. Compassion is concern expressed for the suffering of another. You're greatly concerned about them. Forgiveness is extending God's full pardon for us to another. It's why Paul told us that we're to forgive others as God has forgiven us. And that means fully. So wherever you go, at work, or in your neighborhood, or even in your own homes, it's important that we remember that every person we meet is hurting in some way. Even if they don't look like it, even if it seems like they got it all together, they are hurting in some way. They're carrying emotional wounds, physical wounds, relational wounds, even spiritual wounds. Kind and compassionate words bring healing, and they bring life. The Bible says kind words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The Bible tells us that kind words are words that we shouldn't use just every so often, but often. Kind words are words not to be used sparingly, but regularly. We're actually to sprinkle these words over other people every day and in every possible way. It's why Paul says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. In biblical times, salt did a lot of different things, but chief among them, the salt healed and salt preserved. So kind and compassionate words restore others. They preserve relationships, but they do even more. As Paul reminds us, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So compassion helps to carry And someone reminded me, you know, we can't actually fully carry someone else's burdens for them. We cannot do that. We can put our hands under theirs and provide them some relief from carrying the load alone. And we can also put our arms around them and share some of the weight with them. That's selfless. And for some, it seems like a burden. I mean, why would I want to do that? But I think it's important for us to remember kind words and compassionate words, when we speak them to others, those words are like a boomerang. They not only benefit the other person, those who are kind, the Bible says, benefit themselves. So when you honor another by speaking kind and compassionate words of life to them, you experience a greater sense of Christ's life within you. For your kind words, they heal another and they heal you. Kind words are considerate, they're gracious, they're sympathetic, they're thoughtful, they're friendly. You 
are a gift given to others every single day. Did you know that? I hope that someday, you know what, I'll be able to treat others with the same level of dignity you treat others with regularly. Sometimes I wondered if you really know how much your presence instills value in others when you just show up. Kind words. They're like a friend that everyone needs. Kind words bring life. And this is related to the next word of life called gentle words. Gentle words. Humble words which bring peace, not hostility. In fact, Michael read from some of this earlier and reminded us that as followers of Christ, it's essential for us to learn from him and to model our lives after him. It's why Jesus said, take my yoke, and the yoke referred to his teaching, so take my teaching upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, you've probably heard that, that verse before, but I don't know if you thought about this. That there were so many different reasons that Jesus could have given as to why we should learn from him. As to why we should model our lives after him. Probably a hundred or more. And yet Jesus boils it all down to just two. Why should we learn from him and model our lives after him? Due to his gentleness and his humbleness. These two attributes work in tandem with each other. Where you see gentleness, well humility is often revealed. And where you experience humility... Gentleness is beautifully displayed. That's why Paul told us, let your gentleness be known to all, to everyone. How? Well, certainly through your actions, but also with your words. Think of gentleness this way. It's an outward grace resulting from an internal surrender of the soul. An outward grace resulting from an internal surrender of the soul. So the more we surrender to Jesus and his teachings each day in here, the more gentleness will exude from our lips externally every day. It's an important outcome because a gentle answer turns away wrath. And as you know, there's a lot of anger. There is a lot of wrath. All kinds of words of death being thrown everywhere in our society. So gentle words are so desperately important. For the soothing tongue is a tree of life. Are you giving life? Gentle words are soft. They're calm. They're delicate. They're mild. They're peaceful. I know you're really upset right now. That's why I also want you to know I'm here for you. I'm walking this journey with you. I can see why that would make you angry. You know, if somebody said those words to me, I'd probably struggle with anger too. You know, I'm not here to judge you right now, but I am here to love you. And I am here to stand with you through this. A friend of mine reminded me, they said, you know, that gentleness, when they think about that, they think about a word you don't hear much anymore, chivalry. Chivalry, remember that word? Chivalry, it's like back some decades ago. She wrote, you know, some say chivalry is dead, sometimes as a joke, sometimes as a jab, and sometimes like it's a good thing. A truly gentle person knows that it's honorable to help protect the vulnerable, whoever they are, wherever they are. So friends, imagine our world. Imagine what it would look like if gentle words defined our vocabulary. Well, to get there, it starts with you and me allowing Christ's teachings to shape you and me. 
We're called to be like him, and he defined himself as gentle and humble of heart. And so when kind words and gentleness, or, you know, gentle words become like bread, we break daily with others, well, we'll naturally speak edifying words. Edifying words. Empowering words which bestow grace, not corruption. Paul taught us this way. He says, do not let any corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So he is drawing a distinction between two kinds of words. He calls them corrupt words. They'd be death words, right? Words that tear down. And edifying words, these are life words, words that build up. Words that tear down, these corrupt words, let's be honest, they come quite easily to most of us, unfortunately. I mean, without even thinking, we can say to someone we hardly know or someone we've known for years, where in the world did you get that idea? I mean, what were you thinking if you were thinking at all? Well, there's only one word for that. It's called stupid. Oh, they, they, they fly just so naturally, don't they? They come easily to most people. And you know what? Some people say, you know, well, on the other side of the coin, the, these encouraging words, these edifying words, they come easily as well. I mean, all I need to say is you can do it. Keep focused, you know. You know, anything is possible. There's no one like you. And they're certainly empowering words. They're positive words. But think about this. They're not necessarily edifying words. I mean, have you ever experienced a moment in your life, I have, where somebody said some positive words to you, but they still felt shallow to you? That's why Paul gives us a qualifier in Ephesians 4 that so many people miss. He tells us that words of life which truly edify are really only possible if we speak them according to the other person's needs. That means we have to take time to get to know them. What makes them tick? What hurt is really going on in there? What do they really need to hear? And with that kind of knowledge, in a relationship with that person, we can speak deeply to them. So once we know their needs, we can speak to their needs then because the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Is your mouth a fountain? Does it produce life? Edifying words are more than possible to speak, but they're most impactful when they're spoken in relationship. I think it's why Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. He said those words because he loves us through and through, which is why his words to us are so impactful. Well, the same goes to our relationships with others. As Michael read earlier, in your relationship with each other, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, who what? Displayed humility. So when we truly know someone deeply and humbly, we can encourage them deeply. I don't know if you have such a person in, my, in your life, but I have. Here in this church over the past several years since I've been here, I have heard from one person, an encouraging person, over and over again. I've received letter after letter, card after card, email after email. I'll be standing, if I speak to the youth, you know, they'll be there listening to encourage me afterwards, standing out in the lobby encouraging me, knowing how difficult sometimes being a pastor can be in the midst of all the opinions and all the words that are spoken. 
She has spoken encouraging words to me over and over and over again. Her name is Beth Hill. Beth, will you stand up, please? I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you. And I thought this morning it's so important to share that because Beth and Steve, incredibly wonderful people, they're moving a couple hours away to be closer to family. This is their last Sunday here. And I thought, you know what? God's timing, isn't that beautiful? That her last Sunday here would be the Sunday that I speak about edifying words. Words that she has spoken to me and written to me over and over and over again. Who can you encourage, friends? Who can you encourage? Because you see, the words she had shared with me in so many different forms, they run contrary to how we actually speak to one another in our culture today. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we live in a world now, let's be honest, where we tend to think that whatever words we speak to another are like gold because we are the ones who have spoken them. I mean, we're so wise, we're so helpful, right? And we're like experts, self-proclaimed experts, because everyone else is an expert, we are too. And the louder we speak, the more wisdom we bestow. Aren't we just a walking gift? The Bible says differently. Gold there is, and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. This is a rare gift. Wise words. Insightful words which benefit another, not yourself. Not yourself. Where in the world did I get that from? Scripture. Proverbs 12, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And that means that words we think are wise, words which are often dished out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or anyone else who will listen to us, are often words that pierce. And piercing words are words that were tweeted or spoken to get noticed. They draw attention to the one doing the piercing. And when we pierce another like a sword with our false wisdom, oh, there can be blood. There's most certainly pain. There are most certainly reactions. There is most certainly commotion. There might even be a protest. But have we healed anyone? Not really. Wise words, they heal another. They truly benefit another. And we live in this world, and it's confusing in this world, and sometimes it's hard for us to distinguish between God's wisdom and what we define as our wisdom, which we think that somehow God blesses because we're the ones who spoke it. We get all confused in all of this, which is why James, the brother of Jesus Christ, shared some wise words with us. James chapter three. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by the deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. So friends, if God's word and if God's wisdom are truly active in our lives, they will be consistently demonstrated then in humility as we serve others. So when we serve, we'll impact others by drawing then very little attention to ourselves. And when we provide counsel to somebody, our words will truly help them in times of trouble, not cause them more trouble. Wise words are desperately needed in our world today. They truly bring life, friend. Wise words are humble, they're helpful, they're healing. Like the Bible says, gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare 
jewel. Jim White. Don't know if you've heard of him before. He's a man. He's living. He seemed like an unlikely choice to serve as the cross-country coach for a group of Latino teens. First of all, Jim White, he had never run cross-country in his life. So not all that helpful, right? Jim White had never coached the sport before. And yet he wanted to be the cross-country coach at the school. On top of that, the Latino community in which Jim was teaching and, and living was far removed from his upbringing. Sure, he worked, you know, as a teacher to, to make money to support his family. But the people in the community he was teaching, they had to work hard for every penny. Physically hard for every penny. Their lives were anything but easy. And despite all of this, Jim... Even without any experience, he saw something special in those kids, something that no other person had ever noticed before. And then Jim did something even more. Rooted in humility because he was a follower of Christ and is a follower of Christ. He worked alongside his students in the fields to understand their harsh realities. In the movie, if you watch, he does this once. In reality, in life, he did this multiple times, working in the fields with his students. Friends, it's called humility. And the more Jim's knowledge and wisdom grew, the more influence he was able, really, to establish within each student's life. And once this wisdom took root within the team, they not only started to believe in themselves, they started to believe in each other. And as a result of all this wisdom rooted in humility, his team, oh, they started winning big time. Take a look. All right, everybody, gather around. Come on. Why don't you look around? Best in the state, right? Every team that's here deserves to be, including you. But they haven't got what you got, all right? They don't get up at dawn like you and go to work in the fields, right? They don't go to school all day and then go back to those same fields. That's what you do. And then you come out with me and you run eight miles, 10 miles, and you take on, you take on even more pain. These kids don't do what you do. They can't even imagine it. When I went out in the field that day with you, Diaz kids, I'll be honest with you, it was, a, it was the worst day's work I ever had to do in my life. And I said to myself, whatever kind of crappy job I end up in, It'll never be as tough as that. You kids do it every day. And your parents hope they can do it every day. And they'll do it for a lifetime if it means a better life for you. You guys are superhuman. What you endure just to be here, to get a shot at this, the kind of privilege that someone like me takes for granted. There's nothing you can't do with that kind of strength, with that kind of heart. The kids have the biggest hearts I've ever seen. Now go run your race. Thomas, you're the, you're the captain. Coach, wanna call it? 
Uno, dos, tres. ¡McFarlane! We serve like rare jewels with the words we speak and the impact we make. And as we do so, may we keep something that Jesus taught us in mind, especially in light of a culture that desires to place ourselves at the center. Jesus told us a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what is your heart full of? In answer to that question, the apostle Peter gave us some incredible words. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Because you see, if Christ is Lord in here, he will reign as Lord through here. And you will bless others with your words of life that you speak over and over and over again. So let's ensure that we, we revere Christ as Lord in our hearts, which will then, of course, transform what we say, what we tweet, what we post. It will transform our lives. And then people will see the difference. It will radiate from our actions. It will radiate from our words. And people will notice. And when they do, then out of our hearts where Christ has been revered as Lord, we will then speak we will then have the opportunity to share. Peter, he said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, how? With gentleness and respect. Peter writes here about speaking words of life about the author and giver of life, Jesus Christ. Think about this. We have a huge opportunity to stand out in contrast to our increasingly contentious culture. We do. Life words can be like an oasis in the desert, drawing people to a place where they're open to hear the power of the gospel. So may we always remember that he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This brings us to our last word of life, gospel words. Redemptive words which focus on Jesus, not yourself. So it's with our eyes set on Jesus then, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we're called to represent Jesus to those who have not yet met him in faith. And when we interact with him, let us do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And friends, if we're truly on the lookout for the interests of others, we will share the gospel with him. Because everyone needs the gospel. The fact that we were born in sin and yet God did not leave us there. He came up with a solution to send his own son, Jesus Christ, to be the savior who went to the cross for us to face pain for us, take on our sin for us. And he died and he rose again so that those who confess and follow Jesus and believe will receive eternal life themselves. This is the power of the gospel. So may Jesus be our message, and may we share him well. 
with guarded words, with kind and compassionate words, with gentle words, with edifying words, with wise words, and with our gospel words. Words of life benefit others, and they glorify God. So how can you glorify God right now? As you're sitting here, as you're watching online, how can you glorify God right now? How could you begin speaking words of life to somebody? How could you encourage them and build them up? Right now in this place, where you are, even online, I want you to think about one person. This person in your life might be somebody you know that's struggling right now. You just haven't really brought that up to them. You know about it, but you haven't said a lot. Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's somebody who's truly blessed you in your life, but you've never really spoken that to them. You've never offered your words of life to them. Maybe you noticed somebody doing something this week and you were, you've told other people about it, but you didn't tell them. You just want to say thank you. Well, when you came in, most of you were given postcards. I want you to get those postcards. Can you hold them in your hand if you have them? We put extra pens out there for you to write. And what I want you to do, yes, right here in this place, right now, that you would write to them words of life. Begin writing them and sharing with them what they mean to you, what you've seen. Encourage them right now. And for those um, who don't write so much and maybe you're online and you don't have that postcard, get your phone out and text them right now. Don't wait. You know, sometimes we say, well, I'll do that when I get home and then we do other things when we get home. No, encourage them now. Speak words of life now. And as you do that, you will glorify God. So let's write, let's text our words of life. And in just a moment, we'll then sing to the author and giver of life, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.